Hey, thank you for joining Lycan Scripture for your soul's profit and learning, the podcast for those wanting to apply ideas from Scripture in their own lives. We will seldom cover every verse, may never give any astounding background information, but will always model a method of likening the Scriptures. As we were able to cover all the chapters for this week in one episode, we are here taking a closer look at agency because it is an integral part of Lehi's message in Second Nephi chapter 2. We're taking a more in-depth look at agency. We're doing so by presenting an amalgamation of ideas, parts of talks, and thoughts presented mostly by Latter-day Prophets and Apostles. We'll end by asking some generalized questions that will allow you to test your understanding of agency. Agency, the power to choose, is a gift of God conferred on us as children and exercised by us in both pre-earth and earth life. Exercising agency is essential to allowing us to make the further progression we seek in mortality. Our agency, given us through the plan of our Father, is the great alternative to Satan's plan of force. With this sublime gift, We can grow, improve, progress, and seek perfection. Without agency, none of us could grow and develop by learning from our mistakes and errors and those of others. The devil can't make us do anything. Certainly he can tempt and he can deceive, but he has no authority over us that we do not give him. You have agency. You are free to choose. But there is actually No free agency. Agency has its price. You have to pay the consequences of your choices. Agency cannot be exercised unless there is opposition in all things. That opposition is provided by Satan, who once sought to destroy our agency. His destructive effort continues. He tries to persuade us to do evil, or at least not to do good, and to make those choices that will finally give him the mastery he was denied in the pre-mortal existence, to have all power over us, to lead us captive at his will. In other words, Satan attempts to get us to use our God-given agency to destroy our own current and future freedom. Following are nine key principles regarding agency. All of these points are taken from Scripture. If you're interested in looking up those scripture references, we will include them in the description. Number one, before the world was created, we existed in the presence of God. Number two, agency is a gift of God. Number three, we were able to exercise agency in the pre-mortal existence. Number four, In the pre-earth life, Satan presented a plan that would take away our agency. Number five. When God rejected Satan's plan, Satan and those who followed him rebelled and were cast out of heaven. You and I and everyone else on earth fought in favor of the plan. Number six. Pursuant to God's plan, Adam and Eve were given the freedom to choose to partake of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They made the choice that caused the fall, making it possible for us to come to earth 
but also making all of us subject to mortality and sin while on earth. Number 7. We are here to be tested, and this cannot occur without opposition in all things. Number 8. To provide that opposition, Satan is permitted to try to persuade us to use our agency to choose evil. Number 9. If we choose evil and do not repent, we can ultimately become unfree captives of Satan. Let's look at some applications of the aforementioned scriptural principles. First, because agency is a God-given precondition to the purpose of mortal life, no person or organization can take away our agency in mortality. We receive assurance from our doctrine that even Satan, who sought to take away our agency in the pre-mortal existence, is not permitted to take it from us in this life. The Prophet Joseph Smith taught that the devil cannot compel anyone to do evil. He has power over us only as we permit him. Second, what can be taken away or reduced by the conditions of mortality is our freedom, the power to act upon our choices. Agency is absolute, but in the circumstances of mortality, freedom is always qualified. Freedom may be qualified or taken away, one, by physical laws, including the physical limitations with which we are born, number two, by our own action, and number three, by the action of others, including governments. Number three, many losses of freedom are imposed by others, and some we ought to accept as beneficial. For example, We have to accept some government limitations on freedom if we are to live successfully in communities. Uninhibited individual freedom would allow the strong to oppress the weak. It would allow the eccentric desires of one person to restrict the freedom of many. Interferences with our freedom do not deprive us of our agency. When Potiphar put Joseph in prison, he restricted Joseph's freedom but did not take away his agency. When Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple, he interfered with their freedom to engage in a particular activity on a particular day in a particular place, but he did not take away their agency. Number four, we should avoid any behavior that is addictive. Whatever is addictive compromises our will. Subjecting our will to the overbearing impulses imposed by any form of addiction serves Satan's purposes and subverts our Heavenly Father's purposes. This applies to addictions to drugs, such as narcotics, alcohol, nicotine or caffeine, addiction to practices such as gambling, and any other addictive behavior. We can avoid addictions by keeping the commandments of God. Some people are more susceptible to some addictions than other people. Perhaps such susceptibility is inborn, like the unnamed ailment the Apostle Paul called a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. One person has a taste for nicotine and is easily addicted to smoking. Another person cannot take an occasional drink without being propelled into alcoholism. Another person samples gambling and becomes a compulsive gambler. 
Perhaps these persons, as the saying goes, were born that way. But what does this mean? Does that mean that persons with susceptibilities or strong tendencies have no choice, no agency in these matters? Our doctrine teaches us otherwise. Regardless of a person's susceptibility or tendency, their will is unfettered. It is their freedom that is impaired. Other persons seem more free. Though they unwisely sample the temptations, they seem immune to the addiction. But regardless of the extent of our freedom, we are all responsible for the exercise of our agency. As Lehi taught in the chapters that we are looking at this week, in mortality we are only free according to the flesh. Most of us are born with thorns in the flesh, some more visible, some more serious than others. We all seem to have susceptibilities to one disorder or another, or struggle more to obey a particular commandment than others. But whatever our susceptibilities, we have the will and the power to control our thoughts and our actions. This must be so. God has said that he holds us accountable for what we do and what we think. So these things must be controllable by us. We need to learn how to live so that a weakness that is mortal will not prevent us from achieving the goal that is eternal. God has promised that he will consecrate our afflictions for our gain. The efforts we expend in overcoming an inherited weakness build spiritual strength that will serve us throughout eternity. Whatever our susceptibilities or tendencies, they cannot subject us to eternal consequences unless we exercise our agency to do or think the things that are forbidden by the commandments of God. For example, a susceptibility to alcoholism impairs its victim's freedom to partake without addiction but his agency allows him to abstain and thus escape the physical debilitation of alcohol and the spiritual deterioration of addiction. The Lord has a pattern for training in the use of agency. Using Genesis 2, 15-17 and Moses 4, 5-31, we can see a pattern the Lord uses around his gift of agency. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Genesis 2, 15-17 And Satan put it into the heart of the serpent, for he had drawn away many after him. And he sought also to beguile Eve, for he knew not the mind of God, wherefore he sought to destroy the world. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And he spake by the mouth of the serpent. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which thou beholdest in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. 
For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it became pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make her wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and also gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And they heard the voice of the Lord God as they were walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife went to hide themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And I, the Lord God, called unto Adam and said unto him, Where goest thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I beheld that I was naked, and I hid myself. And I, the Lord God, said unto Adam, Who told thee thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? If so, thou shouldst surely die. And the man said, The woman thou gavest me, and commandest that she should remain with me. She gave me of the fruit of the tree, and I did eat. And I, the Lord God, said unto the woman, What is this thing which thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And to the woman I, the Lord God, said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. And unto Adam I, the Lord God, said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the fruit of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, Cursed shall be the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also, and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. By the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, until thou shalt return unto the ground, for thou shalt surely die. Unto Adam, and also unto his wife, did I, the Lord God, make coats of skins, and clothed them. And I, the Lord God, said unto mine only begotten, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand, and partake also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore I, the Lord God, will send him forth from the garden of Eden, to till the ground from whence he was taken. For as I, the Lord God, liveth, even so my words cannot return void. For as they go forth out of my mouth, they must be fulfilled. All verses from Moses chapter 4. First agency is given to childlike Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Then they were given a choice between alternatives, with consequences carefully explained beforehand. When agency was exercised, consequences were enforced and immediately came into effect. Fortunately, a way was prepared through the atonement of Jesus Christ, to allow for progress despite this choice and any future poor choices and their subsequent consequences. The same pattern holds true for us. We are given agency, many choices are placed before us, and through the light of Christ, the scriptures, living prophets, and other church leaders, we are made aware of the consequences of the conglomerate of our thoughts, words, and actions. When we exercise agency, there are always immediate and potentially eternal consequences. Fortunately, if agency is used unwisely, 
we can utilize the atonement of our Savior Jesus Christ to repent and improve our use of agency. Sometimes the choices of others cause us worry or sorrow. Sometimes we'd really like to help them make different choices. Here's an example shared by someone else. My wife and I had married with eternal covenants. We were blessed with children. We did everything we could to obey the counsel of the prophets. We taught our children the gospel, shared our testimonies with them, attended Sunday meetings together and held family home evenings, prayed daily both morning and night, and read scriptures as a family. None of our actions, however, prevented our son from choosing not to follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. In my sorrow, I turned to the Lord for strength and came to understand more clearly the role of agency in our lives. I still wondered, what more can I do? Certainly there's something I can do to bring him back to the truth. I prayed for our son, but I felt I wasn't doing enough. Certainly if I had enough faith, wouldn't he change? Such thoughts ran through my mind as I went to sleep one night. Heavenly Father saw fit to answer my question through a dream. It was a simple dream, but for me its meaning was profound. In my dream, I was standing in the middle of a vegetable garden. I had planted and watered the seeds, but the plants had not begun to grow. In my dream, I told my plants to grow. I nagged them to grow. Then I began to laugh at myself. The very idea of trying to get my plants to grow by telling them to do so was absurd. When I awoke, I immediately understood my dream's meaning. My son was the seed I was trying to get to grow. But just as I could not make the garden seeds grow, I cannot make my son change. Inherent in each seed of my garden is a God-given ability to grow, and it is God who directs the growth of each seed. Likewise, my son has the ability to grow because he is a spirit son of Heavenly Father. But if growth and change are to occur in his life, they will result from his exercising his own agency, coupled with God's power. The challenge we leave with you today is to consider the following five scenarios in the light of what you know about the gift of agency God has given each of us. What is the doctrinally correct answer for each of these situations? Are there any where the doctrine do not apply? Scenario 1. We got married in the temple. Now my spouse does not live gospel principles anymore. How can I get him or her to repent? Number 2. One of my teenage children refuses to come to church. How do I change that? Number 3. We have always kept the Sabbath day holy. Now my son wants to play rugby on the Lord's day. What can I do to stop him? Number four. My daughter is being prosecuted for a repeated shoplifting. What can I do to get her out of this situation? Number five. I am divorced against my wishes and despite my best efforts. I feel trapped by these events. This is not my choice. What happened to my agency? We hope and trust this podcast is useful to you. 
Today's episode used material presented by Elder Uchtdorf in 2006 and Elder Faust in 2007, and a large chunk of material from Elder Oaks from 1987. The experience related is based on one published in the Ensign, March 2010. Remember, it is the application of scripture principles currently relevant to you and the focus on Jesus Christ in your own life that we are trying to support. You can contact us with suggestions, comments or questions using the Lycan Scripture Facebook page or using the contact page on the website lycanscripture.com. We look forward to catching up with you again next time when we will look at the theme of parental responsibility. Until then, may God bless all your righteous endeavors.